Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America on this Wednesday night, September the 7th. Great to be with you. And uh, a lot of things to get to tonight about uh, the upcoming elections, because I want you to be able to empower not only yourself and your friends and your pro-life groups and your other civic groups, but also your churches. Uh, There's so much that can be done. And I want to talk about some of the uh, dates coming up. Uh, You know, in fact, let me even before we go into our our scripture, just set the tone by saying the election, the, the voting in the general election for the midterms of 2022 begins in 17 days. That's right. We know the general election is November 8th. It's just a little less than nine weeks away. But 17 days from now, early voting begins in the first of the states that has that that practice, namely Virginia, September 24th. The voting begins. And then a few days later, on the 29th, it begins in Illinois. And then not that much later after that, on October 8th, a full month before Election Day, it begins in Georgia. So our fellow citizens are going to be voting. Now, this Tuesday, the 13th of September, the final primaries are held up in uh, the Northeast. you got New Hampshire and Delaware uh, and, and Rhode Island uh, taking having their, their primaries. Now, that's the last of the primaries. All the primaries, of course, are held on different dates. Uh, now we approach the general, and uh, the dates to keep in mind are the uh, start of early voting and the deadlines for registering voters. Well, we'll get into that because that's one of the practical things I want to uh, I recommend during this uh, during this episode as practical election preparation, practical empowerment of uh, yourselves, your friends, your churches. We got to keep certain key things in mind, and we'll go over those. But let's go to scripture as we pray for America, and and we want to pray for you. So let us know in the comments what your prayer intentions are, and we'll keep all that in in uh, mind and heart as well. The Book of Lamentations where the lamenting over the destruction that the Babylonians brought to uh, Jerusalem and uh, the temple and the God's people taking them out into exile in Babylon, this lamentation that is expressed so eloquently in this book of Scripture is also pierced by the light of hope. And we can, we can think of this in terms of, of America and all the devastation going on uh, in our midst terrible devastation uh, of our economy, of our security, the crime, the open borders, the the embarrassing things that have happened on the world stage, Uh, the damage done to our democracy itself by those who would deny freedom. We can lament. We must lament these things. And yet, there is the strong light of hope right in the middle of that. Let's read uh, that uh, this passage with all that in mind. Lamentations 3, 
starting in verse 17, says this. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this will I call to mind as my reason to have hope. The favors of the Lord are not exhausted. His mercies are not spent. They are renewed each morning, so great is his faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait in silence for the saving help of the Lord. Let us pray. Yes, Lord, we do wait in silence for your saving help. Lord, we too are filled with lamentation. We too are filled with distress. When we see the damage being inflicted upon us, even by those in positions of power that are supposed to be for the upbuilding of America, for the securing of our freedom, for the safety and protection of our communities. Those in positions of power instead have used that power to destroy our security, our freedom, our rights, our unborn children, our freedom of speech, the basic constitutional protections that each citizen has. We see people weaponizing the mechanisms of government, and we lament. We say, how long, O Lord, deliver us, restore our fortunes, restore into our hands and into our homes the freedoms put in place by and recognized by our founding fathers and fought for by those who have gone into battle with our flag flying in front of them to defend these freedoms, who have given even their lives that our lives may be enriched. Restore our fortunes, O God. We do hope in you, as this passage tells us, because your favors to America are not exhausted. Your mercies are not spent. They are renewed each morning. And we think of that morning, Father, when your son Jesus rose from the dead, that Easter morning, that day of the resurrection, when evil was conquered, sin was destroyed, grace triumphed, freedom triumphed. Freedom triumphs in the cross, and therefore we stand under the shadow of that cross, ready to proclaim it and spread it to all the world. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the ways we exercise this hope, which is not merely wishful thinking or optimism. You know, it's fine to be an optimist and and uh, you know, we 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 learn from a very young age to wish for what we want. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. But Christian hope is far deeper 
It's a reality rooted in something that has already occurred, the saving action of God for his people. We see it in the Old Testament, setting them free from slavery. We see it in the New Testament, of course, the death and resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of his spirit. So concrete historical things have happened in history to give us the awareness, the knowledge that God is on our side because we're on his side and that he intervenes to save his people. So he has done certain things. Now, that forms the basis for our expectation of more. As Scripture says, St. Paul says, if he has given us his own son, how will he not give us everything else besides? So when we're in situations of devastation, like we see happening right now before our eyes, destruction especially of our constitutional freedoms, very dark and ominous things coming from those in political power. We can hope. The strength of that hope overcomes the darkness of these these threatening and menacing forces. Now, that doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. Just the opposite. Hope engenders an energy and an action in the direction of what is good. And that action now crystallizes in these midterm elections. Because here we can put up a firewall, can we not, against all the damage that the Democrats are doing. We have elections. We can get a lot of these people out of office. And even though the presidency is not this year in the election, it's two years from now, nevertheless, without a Congress backing that extreme agenda that we see coming out of the White House and out of the Democrat Party, without a Congress committed to the same agenda, no federal law can get passed to advance that agenda, right? You have to have the House and the Senate agree on a, on a piece of legislation that then gets sent over to the president to sign. So they all three have to be, all three of those entities have to be on the same page regarding legislation in order for it to advance. So we can put up now a firewall by, again, dividing in, a, in an appropriate way, using our vote. We need some divided government We need uh, the Republicans to control the House and the Senate so that this deadly agenda cannot advance any farther. Now, we have uh, a number of things we can do specifically that I want to encourage you to do. And, And, you know, as a member of the clergy, of course, I'm always thinking in terms of what churches can do for the elections. And I know many of you wonder the same thing. Say, well, why? how come my pastor doesn't do more? Or what can I do uh, to, to, to see our church do more for the elections? Well, the churches can do a whole lot more than they think they can. And uh, my book, Abolishing Abortion, <clears throat> and you'll see a little advertisement for it at the end of, of the show tonight, uh, talks about this in great detail, what the churches actually are able to do and why it is that we sometimes tell ourselves the opposite. You know, we censor ourselves bad enough that we get censored from big tech and from the government. and But we censor ourselves in the churches and we say, oh, we can't talk about politics. Well, yes, we can. And I write about that extensively in that book. But the point is, let's focus on a couple of concrete things that we should be doing, both through the churches and just on our own. First of all, I started off already by mentioning the dates. Uh, Point number one here is get some dates on your calendar. 
So in your state, there are two dates to pay attention to. And by the way, you can get these dates in a number of places. But one of them that we've put together for you, make it very simple, all on one page, is stateelectioncalendar.org. Stateelectioncalendar.org gives you the dates in the states for different phases of the election. Now, we've already been using it throughout this primary season. As I said, the last three primaries of election 2022 take place this coming Tuesday, September 13th. And then all the primaries have completed. Uh, those last three states being Delaware, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. So we're done with the primary season after that. So this state election calendar at stateelectioncalendar.org has been tracking the primary dates. And connected with the primary dates uh, were two other dates when voter registration for the primary closed in each state and when early voting for the primary started. So those were three sets of dates, primary, voter registration, early voting, that we tracked. Now we move into the general phase of the election. And again, you have three dates. Now, one of them is the same across the board. November 8th, Tuesday, November 8th is the general election. It was it's exactly nine weeks from yesterday. Okay, so it's nine weeks away. But then the two other dates vary from state to state. That is, when does voter registration close? Now, that's an important date. And then when does early voting begin if your state has early voting? Because not all of them do. But you should mark these dates on your calendar. Why? Well, first of all, for you to take advantage of, 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 of it yourself because you want to check your voter registration. You may be registered. Hopefully you are registered. I'm sure most of you are registered. But you want to check. You want to make sure. Don't take anything for granted. Don't assume anything. Because anything can happen. There might have been some little detail that you forgot about, some change in your life that somehow didn't get communicated to the Board of Elections. Or maybe on, the, on their side, some error was made in the data. Who knows? Or even some funny business. Just You don't even have to worry about all the different things that could have gone wrong or could be going wrong. Just check. And we set up a special website, checkyourvoterregistration.com. Just check. Just go there. You put in your your, government website. We we set up the domain and point it to the government website, National Association of Secretaries of State. You put in your name and your address. And and what's on your voter record will appear right there before your eyes. And you can encourage other people to do it. But obviously you want to do this before the voter registration deadline in your state because if there's something the matter with your voter record or somehow it doesn't come up or I didn't find it, something the matter with your voter registration, or wait a minute, this is not my right address, you know, it changed, or something else happens, you have time to fix it. And so on state, so two websites you want to deal with, stateelectioncalendar.org, when does the voter registration close in my in my state? And then if you're interested in early voting or promoting early voting, among others, when does it begin? You mark those dates on your calendar. And then, of course, uh, 
the um, the opportunity to to uh, to actually register in case uh, in case there's something wrong. Check your voter registration dot com. So those two websites are key. All right. So point number one, get the dates on the calendar. Now, why couldn't your church take those two websites? Now, those two websites, they're not telling people who to vote for. They're not partisan. Stateelectioncalendar.org. Checkyourvoterregistration.com. All you're doing is telling the people when the dates are, or a church might want to just say, okay, look, we're in we're in Arkansas or we're in New York or we're in well, here's the state we're in. We'll just take the information for our state. Hey, folks, and then you put it in the parish uh, bulletin, uh, you know, or the website. Hey, everybody, just a reminder. Voter registration in our state closes on this date. Check your voterregistration.com. Is there anything anything that prohibits a church from doing that? No, of course not. There's nothing in church law, there's nothing in civil law, there's nothing contrary to the gospel to remind people when voter registration finishes. You this is not a political activity. This is a pastoral activity. You are equipping the people of God to make a difference in the world just like Jesus commands us to make. But simple as that. You, brothers and sisters, each of you can be the vehicle to make this happen. Just 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 mention it to the mention it to the pastor. Go to those websites first and, you know, prepare a little uh uh, uh message showing the pastor or, or or some other person who has responsibility within your church congregation. Tell them about it. Who knows? Maybe they'll go along with this and and uh, alert the people within your congregation about all this. Okay. Now, a second point is well, you know, when we tell people about the date for voter registration closing in your state, when we tell people about the date that early voting begins in your state, or if it doesn't have early voting, reminding them of the general election date, November eighth. Then there's a deeper level to both of those things that a church also is quite able to do without violating any ecclesiastical or civil norms. And that is to actually, A, hold a voter registration drive, nonpartisan voter registration, and then B, help get people to the polls. Or if they are ill or homebound, getting them their ballot so that they can vote absentee. Churches can do this. Again, it's not telling people whom to vote for. It's enabling them to vote. Big difference. Easy to understand difference. But for the church to be able to do this, again, it's not so much a political activity. It's not a political activity. It's a pastoral activity. It's, it's, it's enabling the people of God to make a difference in the world and to be part of exercising that freedom and that responsibility to choose our leaders, leaders who will advance the kingdom of God through just policies. Okay, here's an additional thing that I want to encourage you to do in the messaging, in the way you talk about the elections and you talk about candidates and something that the church needs to do. Point out the differences 
in the competing, and we should say in our day, they are warring visions of what America should be and what America should do. On the issue that I deal with full-time abortion, we've got an extremism that's like nothing that we've ever seen before. President Trump, in his rally the other night in Pennsylvania, pointed out the abortion extremism of the other side. There in Pennsylvania, you've got, first of all, the worst, uh, the worst candidate in the country uh, this year, Fetterman. Uh, what a, what, I don't know where this guy comes from or what, what he thinks he's doing running for, for U.S. Senate, but he shouldn't be. Um, yeah, Fetterman, I'm sure we could help you find a job, you know, someplace if you want. Just, just he shouldn't be running for U.S. Senate. It'll be such an embarrassment to the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But you are an embarrassment. My goodness, but folks, how, listen. How can a single person even vote for this guy? I, I don't understand even how one person could vote for this guy. Disgrace. Secondly, um, well, okay. So he's bad enough, and then you've got this Shapiro clown trying to run for, for governor. Again, Shapiro, you know, you shouldn't be not one more day looking for or exercising any kind of public authority in Pennsylvania or anywhere else, okay? Now, President Trump was there at this great rally the other night, of course, supporting the, the men who, who should be and will be elected, Dr. Oz for the Senate and Doug Mastriano for, for governor. And... Uh, they certainly have my, uh, my full support, and they have that of President Trump and many, 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 many others as, as the polls are going to show, as the, as the votes are going to show. But one of the many contrasts between these two sets of, of candidates and many other candidates up and down the ticket that President Trump pointed out and that Pennsylvanians will be voting for, but, the, but this difference is also reflected across the country between uh, Republican and Democrat candidates, and that is the abortion extremism. See, the other side wants people to think that, oh my goodness, these are ominous times because women's rights have been taken away by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court didn't know such thing. They didn't take away any women's rights. And you have to be ready to speak up about this. When people say, oh, the Supreme Court and the Republicans are taking away women's rights, they're taking away a single woman's right. What the Supreme Court did recently on abortion was simply to say, we're not going to decide the issue for you. You get to decide the issue through your elected representatives. So, you know, don't blame the Supreme Court for taking away women's rights. It did no such thing. And the Republicans aren't interested in taking away anybody's rights any more than, than to say to, to, to you that, that you can't attack your your fellow citizen or that your fellow citizen cannot attack you is somehow taking away their right to attack you. We're talking about protections, reasonable protections. The choice here is not, oh, you know, our rights are going to be taken away. The choice here is, do you want extreme unlimited abortion without any restrictions, late term, selfie baby, healthy mother, seventh, eighth, ninth month of pregnancy. This is what the Democrat party wants has in its platform, and has already voted on in, in Congress. This is not hypothetical. They've already done it more than once. 
the extreme legislation that they support would take away any kind of restrictions or limitations whatsoever. And they would impose that policy. They would impose that policy. See, they wanted the court to impose that policy like they were imposing through Roe v. Wade. And the court finally repented of that and said, you know what, we're not going to do that anymore. Bad idea. But now the Democrats want to reimpose that. Don't let them do that. So President Trump pointed out the uh, the extremism on that. But we have, and, and I'll give you one more uh, uh, web page here. We have guides to the two different uh, competing worldviews uh, that are um, uh, at issue in these elections. We have a, a, a guide at votinginfo.net, votinginfo.net. It's a piece that we've been using for years, comparing the positions of the Republican and Democrat parties based on their platforms and quoting from those platforms. So votinginfo.net, you can go there and download this particular uh, piece. And, And actually, it's in English and in Spanish. But now we've developed a different uh, guide that is a lot more, um, well, rather than simply quoting from the platforms, what I've done in this in this uh, other guide is talked about the real life consequences. Now you can you can you know uh, uh, recite the litany uh, uh, just the same as I can, um, but it puts it down in black and white. You know, from the left, the Democrats censor free speech, government colludes with big tech to silence conservatives, especially Trump and his supporters. We don't know what a woman is. We don't want to use the word mother. And men, by the way, can get pregnant. Uh, Critical race theory, biggest inflation in 40 years, highest murder rate in 25 years. The real world consequences of their philosophy. All right, so this is a comparison piece. We're just in the final phase here of uh, getting this uh, out there. You'll see this on our our website as well. And then, of course, on the other side uh, of the aisle in the... um, in the Republican uh, uh, scheme of things, defend Americans' freedom of speech, including in social media, in the pulpits, on campuses, promote patriotic education, give parents the right to choose the school that they want to send their children to and to be involved in their children's education. Education, not indoctrination. And on and on it goes through all the different issues. Very uh, simple one-page guide. And this, we have to put this into the hands of people. You know, people may be confused by the barrage of information that, that's coming at them from all directions, but they don't need to be confused about the difference in these two directions because they're completely opposite to one another. And one is clearly on the side of freedom and life and faith, the other and America and security. And the other is clearly on the side of chaos and oppression, and limiting our security, and, you know, just throwing the borders away and stuff like that. I uh, have also, in the midst of all this, and certainly when we're talking about things that churches can do as we're in this midterm election season, is pray. And you've heard me talk already about the National Prayer Campaign for the elections. It's electionprayer.com. And I want to say this prayer with you, uh, show you 
if you haven't heard it already, what kind of prayer it is. This is something that you can download. And again, like we were saying about the other things, go to your pastor and show your pastor the prayer. You can get prayer cards. It's electionprayer.com. And use it in the church. The more you get people praying about the election, of course, the power of prayer helps with the election. But then you've also got them thinking about it. You get them thinking about it and get them talking about it. You get them doing something about it. So let me say this prayer with you now, and then we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer. We include all your intentions as well that you've been leaving in the comments. Uh, and, uh, and, and use these tools as we live out these final nine weeks before Election Day. So let's pray together. Oh God, we acknowledge you today as Lord, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for the privilege of being able to organize ourselves politically and of knowing that political loyalty does not have to mean disloyalty to you. We thank you for your law, which our founding fathers acknowledged and recognized as higher than any human law. We thank you for the opportunity that this election year puts before us to exercise our solemn duty not only to vote, but to influence countless others to vote and to vote correctly. Lord, we pray that your people may be awakened. Let them realize that while politics is not their salvation, their response to you requires that they be politically active. Awaken your people to know that they are not called to be a sect fleeing the world, but rather a community of faith renewing the world. Awaken them that the same hands lifted up to you in prayer are the hands that pull the lever in the voting booth. That the same eyes that read your word are the eyes that read the names on the ballot. And that they do not cease to be Christians when they enter the voting booth. Awaken your people to a commitment to justice, to the sanctity of marriage and the family, to the dignity of each individual human life, and to the truth that human rights begin when human lives begin, and not one moment later. Lord, we rejoice today that we are citizens of your kingdom. May that make us all the more committed to being faithful citizens on earth. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Electionprayer.com And now let's pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we pray for you each day. Our team here at Priests for Life, we will continue to do that as we pray for America, as we pray for President Trump, as we pray for victory in these elections. Don't let any fake polling deceive you. We are on the path of victory here. And brothers and sisters, knowing that does not mean we sit back. Knowing that means we work even harder because we are entrusted. Any victory we have, it's a victory God entrusts us with. And therefore, he expects us to protect that victory and let it energize us to work even harder. So let's do that. Carry out the suggestions that I 
made and the practical things uh, that we are giving you both in terms of ideas and resources. And together we'll be able to achieve and celebrate a great victory for America. Father Frank Pavone here. Oh, and remember, as President Trump always tells us, as he told us again the other night, we are part of the greatest political movement in American history. This country does not belong to those who are trying to destroy it. It belongs to you. We kneel to God alone, not government. And the best days of America are yet to come. God bless you. We'll join you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.